This is Secret Skin, part of the Infinite Guest Network. Good evening, good afternoon. My name is Michael Eagle, and I have two confessions to make. Well, before confessions, allow me to welcome you to Secret Skin. This is the podcast that you've chosen to listen to. As the purveyor of this podcast, I'm going to take an opportunity to make two confessions to you. One is that I have a stomachache. I just came back from tour, and I'm pretty sure I didn't clean my coffee maker out enough before I used it. And apparently, um, I mean, I was only going three days. I was only going three days. So I'm thinking, eh, it's probably okay. This is the confession part, so I'm going full disclosure here. There were some leftover grounds. There were some leftover grounds. But me, in my mind, I'm thinking it's only been three days. It should be okay. I mean, I didn't use the grounds. I threw those away and put in new ones as per coffee making instructions. But apparently, uh, bacteria does not care if you don't think it's been long enough for them to have been born. They will go ahead and be alive anyway and possibly make their way into your coffee and then when you drink said coffee your stomach lining will begin to destroy itself. I feel okay right now though. When I was first taking notes on this podcast or this particular episode is when stomach was hurting a lot but now I'm okay I'm bopping along to the beat just like you Mike Eagle here little pain in his gut second confession are you ready for this I am fascinated wow that's so interesting. Fascinating. Damn. Like that every time. Fascinating. How does that work? Oh, dang. And the object of my fascination is comedy. Since I was a little kid, I've always been drawn to comedy. I feel like having access to cable television, uh, mostly having no one monitoring exactly what I'd be looking at, the most interesting things I could find as a kid to watch after the uh, allotted cartoon hours were done for the day, which was before school, after school. The only things that I could find to watch that were entertaining 
for me as a young person uh, was comedy. So from HBO half hour specials, MTV specials, uh, the fledgling comedy channel, and I think that became Comedy Central or maybe they were both happening at the same time. From watching Nick and Knight shows like uh, Donna Reed and Patty Duke and Car 54, Where Are You? I've always been drawn to humor and entertainment. I honestly think that comedy, especially of the stand-up variety, has a lot of kinship to rap music. So you guys can look forward to me talking to a lot of comics, along with the other styles of entertainers that I'll be interviewing on this show from time to time. Um, I fancy myself as having a lot of comedian friends, but when I think about it and I start counting, I really only have like nine, but they're just like nine, like really incredible ones. I won't make a list because that would be rude and name droppy and I'll probably forget someone and thereby lose a comedian friend. And since I only have nine to begin with, there's a scarcity issue. So I need to nurture nurture this group and not leave anyone out in the cold. So, yeah, there's this kinship that I feel between comedy and rap music. And I can remember uh, telling Paul F. Tompkins this over lunch today that I met him. I felt very embarrassed afterwards. I felt like I had like told Kamau Bell that I thought comedy writing was something I could do because I write so many raps. And I knew that feeling because I actually did tell Kamau Bell that on the day that I met him. So um, I'm starting to notice a little habit in myself that um, I say blurred out things that are a little half cocked, a little insane maybe. When I meet people who I'm somewhat intimidated by or a fan of. So if you're listening to this and you think I might be intimidated by you, uh, when we meet, only pay attention to about 74% of what I say. I think that's a, that's a good rule of thumb. And I really hope that the origin of that phrase isn't the domestic violence thing because then I'm going to be embarrassed that I said it on my show. Um, the other embarrassing thing about that link between uh, comedians or comedy and rap music and musicianship in general is that Dave Chappelle already told everybody this 10 years ago. So there's no need for me to repeat it. But for some reason, I tend to anyway. I like comedy a lot. I'm a huge fan of it. I do a live show out here in Los Angeles called The Mike Eagle Show. It's like a comedy and rap showcase. I've done it in New York as well. Um, I've even brought it to San Francisco and Seattle. And I've ventured into even doing some of my own little comedy bits here and there. It's easier for me because I'm a rap musician and I'm not billing myself as, as doing comedy on these shows. So nobody's expecting it. So the expectations are pretty low and I can deal with that. You want to hear one of these bits, don't you? be honest, I'm a little embarrassed to do it, especially because I've been talking about being embarrassed for the last two minutes. So maybe I'm living in a little embarrassing moment right now, but I'm brave. This is my show. You're here. You know what I do. You've got some faith in me. And if I lose you because my bit stinks, well, get lost. This particular bit isn't really a bit. It's an abstracted version of something that actually happened to me. Very, very close to a tour story. Tour stories. Oh, shit. 
So this is something that happened to me once. It really wasn't on tour at all. I just really wanted to use that bumper again really bad. I have a son who is five years old. And on the day of his fifth birthday party, he had a superhero birthday party. And what that meant is that there was a gaggle of five, six, and four-year-olds wearing various variations of Spider-Man outfits uh, and running around and shooting webs at each other and having a good time children's birthday party style Um, my costume my superhero costume was whatever I was wearing plus a Batman mask just the top just the cowl plastic cowl I believe I'd had a show the night before so dealing with this uh, amorphous group of five-year-old spider-man was a little taxing I think I had a little bit of a hangover and occasionally I'd have to uh find ways to reconnect with myself so that I wouldn't vomit or otherwise be overly annoyed by this energy, which is a really awesome time. Kids turning five, it's actually a joyous occasion. I just need to get myself together. So at one point, I walk out to get some coffee. I wasn't too familiar with this neighborhood, so I'm wandering around in my Batman mask trying to find some coffee. I see a building, well, I see the glass of a building, and I believe I'm making out the words coffee. But from where I'm standing, walking towards it, I can see that something a little out of the ordinary is going on inside. I'm not certain what it is, and it's nothing that's jumping out and saying, that's weird, just some odd energy for a coffee shop. I get closer, and I see that there's kind of books everywhere, but they don't look like the old kind of dusty secondhand books that are around some coffee shops I get a little closer to one of them and I see there's like a black church pastor giving a thumbs up to one and I look around and I finally uh, start to realize this is a Christian coffee shop and my first thought is why does this exist I walk up to the counter to try to get some coffee and there's lots of uh, Christian material everywhere And I'm noticing that the patrons are looking at me strangely. I don't really know why. I'm like, man, can they just like smell my agnosticism in the air? I walk up to the counter to try to get some coffee. And the guy tells me, we don't have any coffee right now. He's going to make me coffee at the Christian coffee shop. I'm not sure what's going on here, but there's no coffee ready. His daughter is behind the counter doing some sort of work. She's either doing homework like copying Bible verses, not 100% sure. Everybody in this place, though, is looking at me pretty oddly. While I'm waiting for my coffee to be made in the back, I have a seat at a table. I notice there's an LA Weekly there, and I'm like, why Why is this here? There's no, there's no reason here. If they knew what went on in the back four pages of an LA Weekly, they would set this entire stack of newspapers on fire. But I sit down, and I open it, I just happened to open the paper to a page with my name and face on it. So I'm like, okay, I understand what's happened here. Apparently I've died. The guy gives me, well, he lets me know the coffee's ready. I go get the coffee from him. I think the monetary exchange has already happened. I take a sip. It's disgusting as I thought it would be. I walk out of the coffee shop and I realize... 
I've had this Batman mask on the entire time. Tour stories. Oh, shit. Oh, there's that bumper again. I wonder how that got there. But yeah, that's a bit that I've used at a couple of my live shows and just an abstracted version of something that's happened to me. I'll probably never do that again on this podcast. I realize now that I'm, to begin with, I'm terrified to do bits in public. But it helps that at some of those points in the story, there is laughter that happens by other people. And it kind of encourages you to go on. As it stands right now, it felt a little awkward to do that in this booth. The same booth that I do all my raps in, by the way. But for some reason, storytelling, at least humorous storytelling, didn't seem as appropriate of a way to use this platform. But then again, fear and embarrassment might be rearing its ugly head once again. Hmm, a little too much this episode, I think. A little too much. But I had the pleasure of interviewing Miss Janelle James for this episode of the podcast. She is an amazing comic. She is from the Midwest and lives in New York. I met her at Hannibal Burris's comedy night that I performed on earlier in 2014. She did an awesome job, and uh, we talked a lot backstage. And I got a chance to interview her when she was out here in Los Angeles. I had a lot of nervous energy when I met her for the interview. Part of the reason why was that Part of the reason she was out here was to do my album release party that was going to feature comedians. Originally, this show was supposed to be part of a weekly comedy show that was going on. The people at the show had mentioned possible headliners. Uh, everyone from Eric Andre to even Norm MacDonald might headline this show. These are people who they already worked with. About three weeks out from the show... The venue that this comedy show is taking place in gets shut down. At this point, I've already begun telling people about it. I already have sort of a bill. I've got comics signed on, and Janelle's flying in from New York, and part of the reason she's flying in is to do this show. So we scramble, we got another venue, things came together okay, but the transition from weekly show that's already going on and has a built in audience to show that I'm curating completely all of a sudden and scrambling to put together in a venue that may or may not be something that's on the radar of the comedy fans who are already coming. So basically it's just on my fans to show up for this show. It was a little nerve wracking and I remember palpably feeling this while I met her for the interview. And in listening back to the interview I can hear some of my trepidation arising. In fact, I'm going to do something I've tried to tell myself that I'm not going to do on this podcast, but I'm going to have to go ahead and do it here. I have to take a moment to poison the well. Oh man, don't drink that water. There's poison in it. I'm about to poison the well. Well, don't take my word for it. I'm sure you think it's perfectly okay now. Look at me poison the well. So, I was interviewing Janelle James, and when I was listening back to it, some things struck me as a little difficult in terms of just a conversation taking place. It's got nothing to do with her, 
She's awesome. She's incredible. Super professional. It's got to do more with me and my journey with interviewing. I haven't done it much other than live. And there's certain skills involved with digging in and kind of creating that moment that happens in a great podcast or a great interview. And I feel like we got close. She's super professional and she was very forthcoming about her challenges as a comic, her challenges as somebody who's moved to New York and has developed their craft in that scene, the challenges she's faced as a woman and as a woman of color. And those are the kind of things that I want to get at on this podcast are people's challenges in their in their career and their profession, especially as entertainers, because they don't often get a platform to be able to say these are the difficult things that I deal with. And she was awesome at it. But me as an interviewer, when I listen back, I hear that I was kind of stepping on her a lot and not really listening and giving her a chance to develop her points. And another little bit of backstory is that, uh, like I said, when we met, I had a little bit of trepidation when we were about to record because of the entire uh, release party incident or a thing that was brewing. And actually, you know, the show turned out okay. It wasn't that much of a problem. It was just some some stress I was dealing with in my head. But we actually ended up getting into a political argument right before we began recording. We talk about it a little bit in the beginning. And then we start to have our conversation from there. I do think it ended well. Like I said, the release party went awesome. She performed at it and killed it. She also performed at my New York release party and did incredible and that was a great show I was glad she could be a part of that because I felt like it helped kind of make up for how lackluster the LA one was compared to what it was supposed to be not that she was even fully aware of what it was supposed to be but it was supposed to be better than what it was so I brought a lot of stuff in my head and I think some of it was coming out in the conversation she's awesome she continues to be awesome make sure you check her out Janelle J comic on Twitter and I believe she says the rest of her socials in the interview so this is it my conversation with Miss Janelle James the incredible comic and this is Secret Skin there's a secret radio hour and this is it oh gosh fresh off an argument with Janelle James that's right fresh fresh, <laughs> fresh off an argument um it's good though, but yeah, I'm here with Janelle James, and Janelle James is an awesome comic. She's in town right now to do, uh, well, to do a bunch of things. One of them being my release party for my album, which is happening tonight. And I will go into a plug, but you're not going to hear this for months, so that will not matter. Uh, so you're stockpiling. In yes, I am. I'm stockpiling. So if you have anything in August you'd like people to know about, <laughs> this, would, this would be the time. This would be the appropriate means to My let them know. special on HBO drops August 2019. No, the oh, <laughs> ching We got royalty. <laughs> We're going to the top. We're going to ride your coattails. And if that really happens, then we'll Oh shit! Remember you said that would make, that, that would make this a magic recorder, and then so we should just say Wait, shit, everything. I made it so far in advance. We that should, it's magic. Yeah, no, we should we it's should like just 2017. say all the things that we want into the recorder <laughs> and see when they when they happen. Um, 
So, Miss Janelle, you're here, and you do you do comedy. How long have you been doing comedy? My four year anniversary just passed. I am uh, a baby, but at least I get to say four instead of two. Four, four, three, you know, <laughs> it's going up. But yeah, four years. So I, I've heard people say that you don't really get a voice until you're like ten years deep. But you, your voice seems to be pretty well found. Do you think that you've had some kind of accelerated growth in in uh, in the form at all? Well, uh, that'd be hard to say, because uh, who knows what I'll be saying in ten years? Of course, you know, of course, or six six years from now, or whatever. So, I mean, I think I'm. I can only feel like I'm doing well. I don't know if if, if this is what I'll always be doing and. I'm sure shit will change or whatever. I don't know. I don't know. People say everything. Who knows? That's well, let me, let me ask you this, because, I mean, you, you seem to have have been a part of some pretty cool shows, mm-hmm. and you've done, like, touring with some pretty cool acts. Do you, mm-hmm. I mean, um, I'm sure you feel like you've earned all that. Like, you're that, oh, yeah, you're exactly. that good. Right? I'm that good. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, wow. Okay, am I that good? Yeah, you're that good. You're that I good, right? I say... Rather than I'm not that good, I do like the earn that earned it part. That I'll agree with that. But you earned it seems less ego maniacal. Yes, it could be. It's possible to be good without earning it. But I feel like I put in a lot of work that put me in the right situation to be able to be on those shows. So, so what was a lot of work for you? you know, uh, I started in the Midwest, so a lot of driving. Where in the Midwest? Uh, Champaign, Illinois. Oh, good old Urbana shit. <laughs> so, okay, I went to school in Carbondale. Okay. So, um, I knew a bunch of people at University of Illinois, um, and I used, to, I used to go there and do Cotton Club with people. I'd be rapping. And all that. I'm doing strange, <laughs> abstract, drunken champagne memories. But okay, so, so where were you so, so driving in no. Chicago mostly? Okay. Champagne doesn't have a comedy scene. No, I didn't know that because I wasn't even really into comedy like that well, at the time. I am telling you <laughs> <laughs> that they, they have one open mic that um, <clears throat> was the first place that I did comedy in town, but it's one at that time, I think once a week, you know, it's just a bar, a bar show, and super open mic material and other people so once I felt like I really wanted to pursue this which was the night that I started <laughs> I uh, I started uh, about two hours in every direction is a club so you have Peoria there's a club in Peoria yeah. and I want a champagne really it's so club. weird I know I know Peoria's well actually the town. one in Peoria home of uh, Richard Pryor is why. Okay, that makes sense. Sort yes. of like a legacy kind of scene. Yeah, and then Peoria, for some reason, that I still haven't found out that I need to look up, used to be like the place for entertainment in Illinois. Now, I think it was some industrial thing that was happening. Maybe a lot of people were moving through there. Because yeah. you ever heard the term, uh, if it plays in Peoria, it'll play anywhere, which, yeah. which coming to it now, you're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> used to be the thing so the jukebox is a club that's been there since the 70s and still exists and so I would drive two hours each way Thursday Friday Saturday to the jukebox to do their mic 
And then um, St. Louis, there's Bloomington, Illinois, has a, has a club. Uh, Bloomington, Indiana has two clubs. Okay. You know, there's another college in Bloomington, too, right? But uh, you don't really do college. College is a totally separate from the from the, the comedy scene of from the comedy town. scene, yeah, yeah. yeah. You don't true. just walk into a college and start doing comedy. Um, that's what Hannibal was doing. But he was attending the college. That's right? true. I guess yeah. I did. Okay, because <laughs> you do have more of a pass. I'm like, look, if, I if have two hours. <laughs> I'm gonna need y'all to. <laughs> what you mean ID? Like, <laughs> right? I can't do a show. <laughs> I know y'all eat lunch and everything, but anyway, so. But you know, at our school, though, and this is kind of, you know, me and Hannibal used to both go to these, like, the open mics around school were, like, at people's houses. Yeah, but so that's also something that you would have had to be in a student in that right. scene. Like, that's nothing I'm finding out about in Champagne, you know? <laughs> it, it, it was kind of open, though, but I guess it's because we had, occasionally we'd have, like, a real show at you know, whatever town venue, we'd have like a real show and then people would come and they'd be like, oh, and every week we do this thing. So, yeah, different kind of pipeline, I guess, Yeah. for information. So, yeah, I did that for, you know, a year solid. Every weekend, four days a week, I was at a club doing five minutes, you know, four hour drive. Were you single then? No. Okay, wow. Yeah, four hour drive. For five minutes, you know, and then it goes up, you know, eventually you you do mics and then you get to be an opener and then you do feature, which is before the headliner, so you build up to 20 minutes eventually. And then I saw, I did a, a couple of little headlining stuff in Illinois before I moved, but that's So you were like the, the, the queen of Illinois by the time oh, I got out. Oh, shit. You was all state. <laughs> and the reason I didn't do Chicago, which is also two hours, is in Champaign, Again, Champagne is so removed from everything. We don't know what the scene is up there. Yeah. And what we hear is, oh, they tight. It's a, you know, you got to break into the clip right. first, and then maybe, the, which is, which turns out to be true. And that's not something you can do when you got to drive four hours every day. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you telling me I got to go to Chicago. I can't even get on shows right away. I got to just mingle and get in the clicks first. Right. Before, you know, so I said, you know, I'm going to just stick to the smaller places where I are, I'm getting more time anyway mm-hmm. than to do Chicago and so it just so happens that I never even played Chicago until I moved to New York wow yeah. and when did you move to New York uh, last last uh, July and so be, being there for a year I mean how how has it been I mean have you run into that kind of clickishness that you were hearing about in Chicago and New York oh yeah I mean everybody uh, there are clicks everybody it goes by region, it can go by style of comedy, but the good thing about New York is everybody eventually all end up on the same shows, Right. so you know, so you can still have a click and still be cool with everybody so do, you, do you, are you categorized as having a particular style? Did, did, did it group you with certain people based on style? I don't think so, I, I do everything. That's what I would I think would, um, I don't think your, your thing will work just about I've been anyway. really lucky to be on everything, I do the, the weirdo shows, <laughs> the alt shows, I do club stuff, the bar, yeah I do everything, I don't think I've been categorize it off, thank God. Do you have a favorite kind of show to do? A favorite kind of audience to play for? I mean, for? New York, the alt shows, which I don't think means alternative style of comedy anymore. It means more, it's not in a 
comedy club setting. It's so it's in a, a small theater. Or a small theater or the back of a, some art gallery. Have you heard about the dark show in New York? Yeah. Did you? Are you gonna? Did you do that? Are you? Gonna no, do? that's. Uh, I think that's Louis Gomez. It is Louis yeah. Gomez. Yeah. I don't know him. He knows. We know each other, but we don't know each other well. So I don't know even know if he's ever seen me. Would you perform? Be, but I would kill it. Yeah. <laughs> just, just for people that don't know, I have to probably explain the dark show. Is they do a show. Where the audience is blindfolded and the lights are off. Oh, they're both. I, didn't I, I do believe it's That's both. I heard him talk about it on the radio. <laughs> right. You know, so I heard him talk about it on the radio. So callers were calling in, giving him hell, just, just you know, on the ridiculous. Blindfolded part. Yeah. Um, <laughs> would, would you be interested in doing a show like that? I thought that was such a cool idea, and um, you know, I, I don't move around, I don't make faces, I don't have props, so that's perfect for me, you know, <laughs> it would be perfect for me, I, I would probably seem less lazy if uh, people right. didn't see me, but I mean, I really just try to rely on my jokes, so I thought it was an awesome idea, not saying that if you do some other form of comedy that it that's bad or anything, but for the type of comedy that I do, I thought it would of you, you know, really give a, your material a uh, chance to shine, right. you know, that type of shit. And you can maybe know if it's if your joke or is it because you make some move or gesture when you do it. Like, oh, this always works, but now I'm doing it in the dark. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I can I see my uh, punchline face. That's a good thing. Punchline faces are real. Punchline faces are real. Punchline shoulders. Right, punchline shoulders. <laughs> So I mean, so you said you. I mean, has somebody called you lazy? Because you you said no, that's me. This is you being your <laughs> own worst critic, huh? <laughs> yeah, I'm, you know, I've experimented with like being more energetic or pacing, or no, I haven't even tried to. I've thought about pacing and um, paced in your house about pacing <laughs> on stage. Active space. Right. Uh, so yeah, I'm like, should I do more act outs? What's the act out? You it's it's exactly what it sounds like where you Just act demonstrate. out whatever you're saying. So if you say so I was riding a horse, so you mimic riding a horse. Uh-huh. So a lot of comics do it. I know. It you know what? No, people laugh at it. No, I know. I bet because it's, it's physical right. and people respond to it. Right. But. Fucking the stool, a classic black stool fucking. But that's what I was about to get to, right? Like, as a black comic, I mean, do you are you careful not to do certain things? Nah, like that? it's just not me. I don't, right. I'm just uh, I'm a serious person. <laughs> <laughs> Which is weird to say as a comedian, but I'm a serious person. I'm serious about my jokes. That's funny. maybe too. So, but sometimes I think maybe I'm too serious. You know what I mean? Like, hey, it's supposed to be a good time type of shit. You know? But I have to. So I do act out so infrequently that every time I do it, all like pops, all the most time, pops well, big. for the comedians who know me, they're like, <laughs> what? Back, like, oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> and also, so that's actually something I've thought about uh, and been. Um, strategic on I guess strategic where I know I don't do certain things so if I do it I'll reserve it for one yeah. one place and then when you do do it it's like oh shit you know what I mean because it's a blow up then right it's the same uh, way you do voice modulation mm-hmm. and stuff like that so yeah, I'm always really interested in that kind of stuff I'm yeah, I'm super into the 
performance aspect. Even and so, for me, I feel like even though it looks like I'm not doing anything, I'm really doing. I'm conscious of like everything. I'm right. Doing. Yeah. And this must be very measured. Yeah. I think even more so when you're not being like a silly type of a silly type of uh, performance. So when I saw you at Hannibal's mm-hmm. night, mm-hmm. how much time did you do that night? If you if you had to ask him, I remember correctly. He let me at twelve, even though everybody else got to do <laughs> a lot of well, and it's not his fault because a lot of people went over, yeah, like way over. But um, yeah, I'm so salty about that. But uh-huh. uh, not salty, but I remember. And I, <laughs> <laughs> so that must have been twelve. He let me at twelve, so maybe I did fourteen or something. Like you that. say he lit 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 lit. Oh. The light gave me the light. He gave you the light? From the side? That's how it goes. Oh. I thought the light was always from the back. From where it is. Wherever the light comes. It's wherever Hannibal chooses to stand at the, at the moment. And when you start comedy in the Midwest, yeah. we respect the light because there's so few places to perform. Right. So little stage time. So little stage time. Right. You get a reputation for running the light. Right. They'll say you banned for six months. Is it called running the light? Running the that light. That is so cute. It's a serious thing. Like, for me, it's that shit seriously. Most. And then you get to New York, and people don't fucking respect the light. So, but let me ask you this, though, right? Cause don't respect the light. Okay. In, a, in a lot of instances, right? Like, right. you'll be somewhere in New York, and uh, Dave Chappelle wants to get up, mm-hmm. right? And he'll do an hour, and, you know, obviously throw off everything else that was going to happen at night. I mean, how, I mean, I'm sure that as a, you know, as a comic, you're, you're happy, especially for somebody like him, mm-hmm. you know, but then, I mean, how do you, how do you respond to that? Or what, what is the, what, what is the sense that other comics are left with when people come in? And, you know, when, when, when structure seems to be such an important thing. Oh, nah, well, you went way, you went, Nah, I ain't talking about Dave Chappelle don't respect the light. Nobody's no, 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 no. I know, I, and I, I, I don't, I don't mean to put that in the same category of of that being. I know that what he's doing isn't that. I'm just saying, that since it's such a structured thing, you know what I mean. Since stage time is so well, important a, for everybody, like, that's a, is it is it bittersweet at all, or is it just all good? I've never been bumped by a huge person. Okay, I would love to. Yeah, but yeah, well, I, I mean, just for the story. <laughs> just for the story. Yeah, here I am ready to get on, and somebody's like, "Oh, you mind if I go up first?" And it's Dave Chappelle. You know what I mean? Right. That's a story. But I'm talking about people. Right. No, I know. I know what you mean. Yeah. Same. And you know it's a book show. Everybody gets a certain amount of time. Right. And then you do half hour? <laughs> I ain't never seen that bad. But still, you, you just... And I don't know if it's because of where I started or... No, nah, it's a big thing to do. You don't run the fucking light. Right. You know? And you take your time from light. other people. I really like that, run the light. <laughs> <laughs> and so anyway... So we, don't have, we don't have neat terms like that in rap. We just call no. each other names. We're not that clever. And since I respect the light so much, I have trained myself. I can cut any joke down. Wow, and that's amazing. Yeah, you say I got a one-minute light and I got a two-minute joke. I know how to make that shit a one-minute joke. Uh, stick, yeah. stick the landing. Yeah, you know. And that's so tight. That just seems another reason I'm glad I started in the Midwest because it seems like I have acquired skills that a lot of people haven't, you know, someone who may have started in the city hasn't acquired yet, you know? So, I mean, I've had people tell me, like, I'm always bad with time. I'm like, that's shit, that ain't something you say. Oh, <laughs> wow. Like, get, get bad with time. You know, like, say that and then go on stage and then run the light. Like, if you know you're bad on time, 
then go short. Right. Why would you just be freewheeling up there? You know, bitch, <laughs> you always get some vicious bullshit. Anyway. So, I mean, I, I guess it's the kind of thing people say to kind of give themselves some bigger room. Yeah, and I'm like, nah, bitch. No. <laughs> like, you can, I know in instances, very few where uh, someone thought they gave me the light or it didn't flash or whatever, and I can feel that I, I'm like, I've been up here too long. Right. Like even if the, though the light and I'll end and I'll come off and I'm like that was fatigue, right? Yeah. yeah. So come on. <laughs> <laughs> you bad with time. Get out of here. So you did a lot of touring. You have done a lot of touring. Yeah. Like for for I've done a lot of touring for the short amount of time that I've been touring. Do you, like, are you still able to count like how many tours you've been on, or is it just like you've been on so many you can't? Yeah, nah. Uh, I mean, I've I've cataloged all of them. Right, of course. So I could go back and count, but I wouldn't. I can't pull that out of my head. I mean, what are are a couple favorites if you had to name? Oh, the first time I went on tour with Hannibal was exciting. What is like? How extensive was it? Like, like oh, that was five cities. Okay, nice. Yeah, and um. The first time I went on tour with Todd. I mean, with everybody. There. Todd who? About Todd Berry. Okay. Sorry, Todd Berry. Yes, Todd Berry. And uh, who is like... Did you know that magical favorites. quarter? Okay. One of my favorites. So very um, excited. How many times have you been on tour with Todd? Ooh, um... Huh. More than ten. That's amazing. That's amazing. That's really yeah. awesome. Now... I'm imagining you're in that feature position. Yeah, then? Middler. Middler. No, now, and I and I'm to understand from a lot of comics that I've listened to talk that that's like a really cool position because you're yeah. not pressured to yeah. sell a bunch of tickets awesome. and you're not opening, so it's the the crowd's a little warm already. It's awesome if you don't want any more than that. Right. <laughs> of course, of course you do. So what's what's your, people don't. Well, I, I'm sure you do. Yeah. So yeah. what's what's the role to you? Being able to headline. I mean, do you headline tours? No. Okay. I don't know if I want to take that financial risk. And then also, yeah, you can do one-nighters for clubs or whatever. But even club clubs don't want to take a chance. Exactly. To, uh, to uh, yeah, and, I, and I'm also aware of my place. I'm not, I mean, and then, you know, there are some places that I have a following, which is Of course. Weird. Like where? Like where? Where, Iowa? where in Iowa? Where in Iowa? Is, now, does this go back to your Illinois yeah. days? That's yeah. awesome. Like, where in Iowa? Iowa City. I love Iowa City. And, um, See the rappers you grow up there? Yeah. 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 And, um, is it uh, Rock Island? Now Illinois? That, okay. It's oh, Quad Iowa. Cities. Like, it's Quad Cities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right by Iowa. Nice. Right? Is it? Yeah. Right yeah, yeah. So, those two places. And, That's tight. Um, I have a following in Dallas. It's just places that I've been to more than once. Right. So, I've headlined, you know, meaning done an hour. In Iowa City twice and have you know done well as far as t- so that means I have fans. There's know, something right? in Iowa City called the Super Fresh Culture Fest. Would you believe that? Yeah. <laughs> oh good. <laughs> I thought that would be a little bit more unbelievable. Is it about organic vegetables? <laughs> Then it's no, about, I don't believe it's you. about true school rapping. No, so no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like oh yeah. So the other two, yeah, not yogurt culture. Like, what I'm like, would you believe it's fresh vegetables in Iowa? That's about no. It's actually like this super fresh, produce. this sizable hip hop festival oh, that weirdly happens in <laughs> Iowa City, Iowa. There's a lot of pockets in the Midwest mm-hmm. that got cool shit going on. I mean, everybody's you know. 
let me not put it, everybody, there are going to be transplants from cities. Right. And they're going to be like world, worldlier people that migrate to the one, but maybe they'll still want to live in a city. Man, I was on tour one time and I found an illest, like, organic food spot outside of, like, Provo, Utah. Right. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's gonna be you find your people everywhere, you know, and nothing against Midwestern people. I like that shit too. I, I was super fascinated with like the super white Midwestern culture when I was there. I like yeah. that shit too. That's another way of living. You know, everybody can't live the same, but there's gonna be it's not gonna be. There is, I found little pockets of cosmopolitan mm-hmm. in every almost every especially now with the internet everybody's sharing yeah, culture and Iowa City is, is one of those places you know they seem like they want to be hip hmm. the hip, hip spot for Iowa hip <laughs> that's like something they would say I'm guessing <laughs> I mean Champaign is one of those places yeah too, like super good festivals a lot of good names Champagne was pretty I, I found Champagne to be pretty culture especially compared to Carbondale yeah, I'm surprised. Oh, I guess there's a place down there called the Long Branch that used to have comedy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, it's it's you know it is the only thing separating it from uh, the real real like Southern Illinois is almost Kentucky, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's yeah. right there, like the the biggest town. For miles, a place called Paducah, Kentucky. Yeah, I have like a I festival. Think I think in a VWF or something. I, I believe it. And I had to get escorted out. Of yeah, no, it's somebody named Darla wanted to fight me. Why, why Darla? What did you do to Darla? She was Darla's man shit, looking at you? Oh, uh, because you know, that's what happens in Paducah. <laughs> that's what exactly. happens in Paducah. Well, then instead of he was looking at me, she was heckling me, and I said. Uh, is that your man? He was sitting right next to her, and he said, yeah. And I said, I told her, I said, if you don't shut up, I'm going to fuck your man. I'm going to shut up. He said, keep talking, keep talking. <laughs> she oh, so she got embarrassed twice yeah. over. Wow. That is amazing. And so afterwards, uh, a fr- uh, another comic, Buddha, who was also on the show, he was like, I'm going to take you out this way. <laughs> she was outside with her friends, like, waiting on me. Wow. That was a good experience. <laughs> I don't mind none of that shit out. Do, do, do you you feel pretty comfortable dealing with hecklers? I don't get them. You don't get them? I don't get them that often. I don't think I invite hecklers. I don't do much. Even my crowd work isn't really crowd work in that I'm asking a question I don't really want you to answer. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even get, let people get in my space. And um, just recently, I've found, figured out. Like just recently, I had I had a, uh, not even a heckler, just people talking, and I found a way to just look at them mm. and make them stop, <laughs> which makes me feel very powerful. But that's what I've been doing just recently. Oh, I'll point at you and just stare at you. And most people, I mean, once you unless you're super drunk or something, I think I don't think most people want to be the center of attention. You know, they don't realize what they're doing. But mm-hmm. I don't get. <clears throat> Many like I used to get like I guess in the Midwest. Show me your titties and all that. So you don't get you don't get out of that New York. Nah, nah. Like I don't think um people tolerate that as much in New York. So the crowd would turn on. Yeah, the board, like, come on, you know. <laughs> and uh, shoot, I shut it down from the audience. Like nobody wants to hear that shit. But um, 
Yeah, so I haven't luckily had it had to deal with it in a long time. And and when I do I figured out I figured out a way that works for me without getting all before I used to get Shut the fuck up. You know what I mean? And then try to go back. Right. Try, try, to, try, to get, try to get all measured again. Right. Get so anyway. <laughs> Guys. That's funny though. Yeah. Because I, I would think that too. You would probably feel like you had to show that you had that side just because you felt like somebody was testing Well, that's you. how I used to feel, right. but that's not true. Right. Like, I'm... I am the most powerful person in the room in right. that I'm commanding attention. I have the microphone and I just like really look at people like, are you, are you gonna, do you want to go? Yeah. <laughs> most of the times they don't, you know, so. But yeah, that was my most epic burn at Darla when I was super proud of myself. <laughs> Did you catalog it? Purdue, I mean, Kentucky, epic was, burn. That was years ago, and I remember like yesterday. Shut her ass down. I mean, and I, how, I didn't know that he would then be like, keep talking, you no, know. Was yeah, he like was adding on, right? <laughs> he had a plant in also, the crowd. Also, the whole audience to chant, shut the fuck up, Darla. <laughs> Ruined her month, I'm sure. Oh, that's good. Sound like that? I'm sure yeah, she, about that. She probably made the paper, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, let me ask you this. I mean, do you run into any particular challenges being female in the, in the industry? I mean, you know, I don't know because you, you, you this, this challenge is. I would think you face it. I don't think you do. You know what I mean? Tell and, me what you think. <laughs> well, even even like it's so it's so interesting to me that you said it. That you you don't you don't really step outside of your uh, your measured voice to deal with hecklers like because like like how you used to do. I would imagine that that would be what you had to do because I would imagine that you being a woman and being and and, and not not being a very in-your-face confrontational type comic, I would think, yeah, some drunk asshole that's going to test you on that alone. Well, most hecklers and talkers are women. <laughs> that's, okay. that, that's that, you know, from the start. It's usually some drunk chick arguing, either talking with her friends. I think earlier we were talking about how uh, a lot of women aren't stand-up people. Hmm. Most, I think, fans of stand-up are men. Right. Meaning people who search out stand-up as a form of entertainment. It seems like a lot of women just stumble across stand-up so they don't know how to act. Mm-hmm. You know, not knowing the environment. Yeah, and people being drunk and just kind of out of their head and not yeah, understanding what's happening. I don't get shit from men until after, you know, before or after I'm on stage. Usually not while I'm on stage. I don't, I don't think I've gotten many male hecklers and then women here's another thing women do <laughs> I sound like a woman hater on this shit but it's anybody who's a comedian knows all this shit uh, they will heckle me with compliments wow <laughs> so now you feel like a, a jerk if you gotta tell them to shut it right cause they're com- you know they're like you're awesome <laughs> <laughs> you're so funny you know and you're like thank you <laughs> Thanks. Then find you find you gotta be like, look, man, you gotta calm it down a little bit. You gotta bit. shut up. Like, but now, you know, I'm really interested. You said men give you trouble before or after the show, right? What kind of what? What is that? What do they do? 
Oh, you know, just is it, uh, is it the same drunk energy, or is it is it just like is it just like kind of well, men kind seem of... to take your freaking act literally. <laughs> they cannot separate performance from person, and so if I say something sexual in my act, for example, this is a joke I don't say anymore, partly because of this reason. I used to have a joke that says uh, that I like to be choked during mm-hmm. sex, and I needed to be. Uh, with somebody who doesn't love me mm-hmm. because if he's like, Oh, we probably need a safe word, I don't wanna I don't wanna hurt you, I'm like, this shit ain't supposed to be safe. You know I mean? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's why it's hot. Right. You might I gotta think that you might joke the shit out of right. you know, and that's why it's a fetish or It's whatever. gotta be actually dangerous. Right. Right. Good fucking joke, right? Right. So but then I would get off stage and Nine point oh. five out of ten, some oh. dude will come right up to me. I'll choke you. <laughs> okay, yeah, because that's the best opening line of all time, right? Hey, girl, I'll choke you. Wow, that's wow. So you know, and just like touching me, like if I say something about my body or self, something like self-deprecating. Oh, I got it. They would come up and like poke my, you know, wow. just touch you. Like you look fine, you know, thinking that they're that they're being encouraged yeah. in some way yeah. instead of just being creepy. Whereas if it was a male comedian, nobody would say, "Oh, you look great." <laughs> <laughs> I heard you say you were fat. You look great, man. You know, nobody would do that to a male comedian. They just say, "Hey, good set," and they keep it moving. So that's adjusted some of the things you do in your act. It has. I mean, but what, that and also. I think a lot of comedians, when they first start out, have a lot of sex jokes because it's easy. Yeah, it's something relatable. It's relatable. Da, right. da, da, da. And so it's partly because of that and partly because I'm just been phasing that type of stuff out of my act as a whole. Right. Like those just straight ahead uh, sex jokes. And since a lot of my material is about me personally, it's not like people like being choked. I'm always like, me, right. I... People can't separate. Exactly, they can't separate the the, that it's the, the a fictitious joke. hypothetical yeah. you from right. the you to stand right. there saying it. But I guess that's the strength of the joke too, or well, or, or else you is. would kind of make it abstract, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm trying to make. I am most uh, interested and compelled by comedians who do material about themselves. Personal. Personal. That's mm-hmm. just my my shit. I like one liners and. You know other types of jokes too, but when it's personal, it's like it's just so much better for me. So I'm trying to do the same thing. I'm just emulating comics that I really like. That type. Who do you really like? Richard Pryor is, of course, the be all and all. I mean, Eddie Murphy gets a lot of, but people forget. Yeah, no. I think about Richard Pryor. Like the, I liked how he could. His shit was personal. And he would change the mood of the set like drastically. He'd right. have like a real silly part and then go right into some serious shit dark about the N word or burning himself and crack shit <laughs> and then pick it right back yeah. up. You know, like that's fucking masterful. It, it is. It is. I and a lot of people can't do that. No, very few people can do that. Like, I have trouble doing that in songs. You yeah, know what I mean? Like, changing the mood. Right, yeah. exactly. It's like, oh, I'm kind of at this high point, but I kind of want to go to this low yeah. key thing now. But it's like, oh, my mind is it too jarring these. or exactly. whatever? It takes you out of the experience. Like, Richard Pryor will have you, like, mesmerized, right. you know? So, I just don't think it's a lot of comics like that now. And I just really like that style. So, and, and, and added bonus, nobody can steal your jokes. 
if they're about you. That's so real. Oh my god. That's Nobody so can tell a story about my sister. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So. Yeah. And I guess right, because if, if if it's a bit in the abstract, then it just becomes kind of a thing where all of a sudden it's just a premise. Right. When it's you, it's about it's me. your story. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So. so that's something that they do to you. App men approach you with after a show. What do they give you before a show? Like bad juju. Well, this doesn't really happen um, anymore. <clears throat> but I mean, all female comics know the whole. Uh, Let's, are you ready for a lady? <laughs> you know what I mean? Just like weird shit like that, you know, and knowing, and I've seen this happen lots of times, knowing that as soon as you say a female comedian is coming to the stage, people was going to start smoking cigarettes. Why do you think that is? Which one? Why do you think people tune out when they hear it? Well, gonna people be... have been like, I believe that women aren't funny. How? Since it's been funny women all through time, how does that persist? Stand up. There hasn't been a female stand up for. There's so few, mm-hmm. you know. So if you're talking about comedic, like, oh, there's been funny people, Lucille Ball and stuff like that. That's I mean, but I'm thinking like I'm thinking like Elaine Boozler, uh, Wendy Liebman. Those are different. Like, um, I mean, those women started doing stand up, but they didn't become famous for. It. They don't. They didn't. No. What was Elaine Boozler famous she for? Acting? I don't think so. No? I, don't think, I think Elaine Boozler was always a stand-up. I mean, that's, that's just one example, though. Right. And, and, I, and I don't mean that to say... And she's obscure, too. Like, she's not somebody in, in who would say... Right. And everybody would know who she is. I know in the, in the 80s, though, like, top villain. You know what I mean? Like, right. all over the place. Yeah, yeah. like, she was, she was killing it. But, um, but yeah, but I would say even somebody like, okay, this like Maria Bamford. You know what I mean? Amazing Ooh. comic. Ooh. I don't think... Maria Bamford is as well received by men as really. Mm-mm. That's that's terrible. Like only like super people who are in the comedy and understand like, how how difficult it is to do what right. she does. I see. Those are the fans of Maria Bamford. Wow. But if you ask the average comedy fan to watch the, her shit, they'd be like, "What?" <laughs> that's the part that kills me though, because it's like I hear that often. I was listening to um. Susie Essman, because mm-hmm. she was upset about what Jerry Lewis said, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, damn, it's weird Jerry Lewis would say that, especially he's an old, crazy person, but like, there does seem to be that sense in society, like, that people kind of are like, oh, whatever, like, not going to be as funny, but I'm like, how does that, how does that idea persist? I see funny women all the time, and, and, and it's like... It's just one of those things that yeah. in our psyche, you know yeah. what I mean? It's just, maybe it was pervasive for so long, we don't even question it anymore, right. you know what right. I mean? So, I don't, I don't know. I just know, as far as entertainment and comedy, period, the numbers of men right. are exponentially right of course women. of course so of course you're out to know absolutely and you the men are probably tuning in to other men and most comedy fans of men are men too so so it may so that maybe that's a, the heart of it then it's just like the i just think there's not en- enough of us and, and it's and so that that would mean that like 75 percent of comedy is just the male perspective from yeah. the male perspective right. to the male perspective right. basically right yeah wow and so, you know, like for movies, like they have those studies, they'll say like uh, men will only go mostly to movies with male leads, whereas women will go to either one. Yeah. You know what I mean? So once you put a woman in the lead of a movie, men automatically think, oh, that's a chick. 
<laughs> you, know what, you know what though? But that that study of it messed my head up because I'm always thinking like, okay, but what, that doesn't even take marketing into into play either, though, right? Like, cause lead. Well, I mean, if it's a female lead, I'm assuming the movie's probably gonna be marketed more aggressively to women than to men as well. You know what I mean? What, what constitutes marketing towards women? Um, uh, I would guess certain publications, okay. certain okay. television shows right. where you have, you know what I mean? That right. have that demographic. So more. I mean, it just mean maybe we're just perpetuating. That's what I mean, yeah. and, and that's what you know. I, I'm always really, really skeptical of research because like some of it makes it seem like it's just like automatic right. when I think sometimes there's other factors that play too right. you know what I mean yeah I don't know I don't either <laughs> I don't know nothing you know and that's really that's really know, the bottom really line of all of this you know what I mean I don't know nothing you know but yeah so when people introduce female comics to bring it back around yeah. in that way everybody just turns out yeah they'll leave and so I used to get a lot of that. Not, I don't get anything anymore. I'm like, I feel like I at least have like respect in New York by now that people don't really like try to haze me like that. <laughs> you know, like I'm considered so you, amazing. So you you think like the guy the the host they do that on purpose? Yes. Why, yes. What, what would? What's well, the, what do they get out of that? Comedians are jerks. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just that New York ball busting kind of thing. Even just New York. That's it. They used to happen to me in the Midwest. Okay. Are you ready for a woman's person? You know, that bullshit, you know, and, uh... Oftentimes, I'll get introduced by a radio host or an interviewer. Somebody will say, like, you guys ready for some hip-hop that's not about guns and drugs? Yeah. And I don't, I don't think Say they're doing it. Fail. Well, the thing is, I don't think they're doing that on purpose. I think they think that they're, like, helping. Yeah. You know what I mean? They just don't. They well, just, in comedy, they don't. Because okay. enough people have talked about that issue. That to where, to where I'm at. <laughs> it's no longer a surprise, right? Yeah. It's like, cool. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that has been discussed and complained about by female comedians for so long right. that when I still hear people do it, I'm like, you just doing that shit on purpose. Right. It's no other reason. Wow. Well, okay. We will wrap up, but you got to tell people where to find out about you and stay up oh. with what you're doing. You can follow me on Twitter. I just started Twittering again. So you on hiatus. How long was your hiatus? Had to be like six months. Yeah. Why'd you Why'd you get off of it? I used to use Twitter as um, practice. Right. Practice writing. I was in Illinois and I wasn't getting as much stage time. Basically, I used to write on Twitter. Just you watch the premise. Yeah. Depending Amen. on how many likes you get, you're like, oh, that's a bit. Right. You know? And that was an easy way to test jokes when you couldn't get a lot of stage time. And then when I went to New York, I started getting a bunch of stage time. So, so I needed Twitter. I didn't need Twitter. I just can't deal with Facebook, man. I just can't deal with it. Why? It, just, it seems like just the lowest common denominator. No, here's what like you do. Internet. I used Facebook. Almost like a diary. Yeah, just, just go right and leave. It's all about me. No, I kind of do I don't that even too. Look at my wall. I, I barely do. I barely do either. But that's why, like, literally, I'll just like, I'll just post something, and I don't even, I just leave. Yeah, that's you what, know I what I mean. Do. And then just yeah. have a correspondence in my post. I don't even <laughs> talk to y'all out there in yeah. your world. We're condescending. That's what we're doing right yes. now. We're condescending into the magic recording. But also, uh, yeah, Twitter, Janelle at Janelle J Comic. And uh, on there, you could probably find my link to my Facebook. And I have a website that I always forget about, even though I paid a lot of money for it. It <laughs> is <laughs> uh, W. No, you still gotta say W. <laughs> <laughs>
www.http colon front slash but no, I don't think you have to unless you're using uh, alter uh, Netscape or something JanelleJamesComedy.com well I appreciate your time man let me pick your brain um, thank you I'm a big fan of your work and I'm happy to have you on the show tonight and um I'm gonna I'm gonna podcast voice. Thank you. It's, it's very professional. But um yeah, we'll chat a little bit more later at the show. Okay. Um and I'm gonna record that too a little bit. Maybe like five minutes probably. Sweet. Yeah. Um you should say goodbye to the people just to say something. Goodbye. Hi guys. Michael Eagle here again. Self same Michael Eagle from earlier. That was my conversation with Janelle James that upon third review was far better than I previously recounted. But that's okay. I seem to set the bar of expectation really low for myself, which was interesting because I was listening to the same thing that I just heard back again now. But funny how the mind works. Janelle's awesome. We laughed a lot. I did step on her a little more than I would like to. I like to be quiet more. I think I got into a thing of trying to make sure that the laughter momentum was kept up. Why? I don't know. Just trying to have a human conversation with a funny person. And eventually I will learn to stop doing that. She's funny. And she doesn't always have to be funny. Conversations with funny people don't have to always be funny. Lesson learned. This has been Secret Skin. This podcast is written and recorded by myself, produced by the good folks over at the Platform Collection. And distributed by some nameless entity for now. I'll have to cut that in. It'll be like, distributed by... And it'll sound definitely not like I said it, which is good. It's called post-production, folks. Get used to it. I usually end these things with a song, something unreleased, it's exclusive. I don't feel like looking for anything right now, so I'm going to freestyle a little bit. In honor of the um, embarrassing stuff that I was talking about earlier, or just talking about embarrassment in general, I'm going to freestyle. One take. And whatever comes out of my mouth, that's what we're going to be stuck with, folks. One take, Jake. That's how we're doing this one. Nice talking to you again. This has been Secret Skin. Yo. Rap a little. Or a lot, in my case. Driver. Or Michael. Michael. Michael's my name. In my case, give you a mush or a pie face It's worth five-eighths of a broken piece of a rice cake I don't dilate like people, but those are like the homies though Or maybe they're not the homies, because they're not some people I really know But they're signed to rhyme sayers, and those are my homies, for real And they all have a load of rapping skill And I hope that they make a bunch of bills selling records And we can all play chess and not checkers And if you think you want to play checkers, get it together It's not the game we're playing here And we should do something that's just plain weird 
I'm a sightseer, daymare, nightmares, white hair, quite scared or embarrassed as I said earlier. I'm gonna go in the living room and rearrange all of my furniture, call it feng shui. I'm recording this on a day that's not a Monday. It's the day of Thursday and that's named After Thor. And I wonder what that matters for. I'm going to retrieve that information like a Labrador and avoid the bull-ish like a matador. I started saying that rap line 20 years ago. I fear my flow. It's like 20 degrees below. That's not true because it's July. Um, I like to use toilet paper that's two-ply. Yes, now we're into toiletries and bathroom humor. That is not a rumor. I pray for anyone who has a tumor even though I believe in nothing. It's just like the power of positive thought. In the future, I will know how much oxygen bought because we'll be using elements as currency. We're using elements right now in circuitry or something. Ask the people in the valley called Silicon. I'm still on some other train of thought rearranging what I thought before. I am not a carnivore. Yes, I am. Now I'm telling stories in my own territory. It doesn't make much sense. I'll kick the bucket. I'm not Kirby Puckett. These words, I struck it. Struck? How do you strike a word? Put it on a piece of paper and hit it with the pen. Hit it once, then again. Thin skin. Not a tin man. This is not a well-written plan. It came off of the dome freestyle. In the meanwhile, a rap longer than most uh, gangster rapper MCs, police files, and that's a terrible stereotype. And I think there we might end. Goodbye, friend. This is a freestyle that I have sinned since. I think that's what I meant. I'm gonna go tonight and sleep in a tent on the street because I don't have a lawn. I live in an apartment. I'll rap until it's dawn. Yeah, I was just trying to get to the solo. I feel good now. The loop solo. Shout out to Jeremiah J. You made this beat. We rapped over this for the Hellfire Club compilation. My name is Mike Eagle. I'm old. I'm prime evil. I'm quite lethal to bugs and very small insects. Witsec is a program. I tear my shirt Hulk Hogan. You don't know. I need Rogaine for those pains in my forebrain. Forebrain? No, even more pain. Dave Mustaine, he, he used to play, or he was the leader of Megadeth. I am not a step and fetch. I do not own an Etch-a-Sketch. If I had one, I would turn the knobs until it was a self-portrait of you. And I'd be like, dude, this is you. You're so darn beautiful. Secret Skin, also known as the Secret Radio Hour, is part of the Infinite Guest Network from American Public Media.